Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have with me, as always, our co-host, Grant McGalliard. Grant, how are you? I'm doing great, Parker. I have a four-day weekend approaching, so uh, life is good down here in Bay City, Texas. It is uh, It is hard to beat a four-day weekend. Yeah, I uh, got a little golf trip planned. Me, my dad, and the uncles are headed to Horseshoe Bay. Uh, you know, there's three courses there. We plan on playing all of them, and uh, you know, trying to break 90. Nice. Uh, it's going to be very, very hot, but um, I'm, but we're looking forward to it. This has been works for like three years, so it's going to be a good time. Well, very cool. At least it's not going to be raining, um, which I don't know why we talk about the weather at the beginning of our podcast every week now, but we're old men and we talk about the weather. Uh, and Steely Dan, so that checks it off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how's, uh, how's, uh, how's, how's your neck of the woods in your undisclosed location? It's good. We, we, left, we left Maine. Uh, Maine was fun, but there are, just, there are too many people, so we decided to drive south. And, uh, and yeah, it's nice. It was, uh, it was a little hot over here on Monday, but we've been, you know, Seeing some, seeing some friends, hanging out. Got to meet, uh, shout out to the homie, got to meet uh, at CFB Nate for a real life beer uh, on uh, Tuesday night, last night. And so that's always fun to uh, get to meet Twitter friends in real life. So yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been pretty all right. That's awesome, dude. Um, and how's this for a transition? You ready? I'm here for it. In addition to good news on our personal fronts, uh, good news on the TCU baseball front. Uh, Kirk Sarlis, your newest head coach of TCU baseball. Parker, I think you and I both agree. Good hire. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that Kirk has been uh, played an instrumental role in TCU acquiring and developing pitching talent the last couple of years. And I think that he will add a measure of continuity, certainly have the backing of a bunch of players. I was worried that there were shenanigans afoot, given that it took some delay. But I'm going to you know say – uh, uh, Jeremiah Donati, ADJD, uh, the athletic director, uh, did his um, did his due diligence, and this kind of hurt everything out. But I'm I'm excited for that. I think again, this is the best of all situations. In that, you know, Schloss gets a uh, change of scenery, and TCU kind of hires a guy who has turned down many jobs because he wanted this one to continue on with the excellence, but possibly you know put his own spin on the program. So that's that's fun. I think. I would argue that uh, without indulging the rumors too much, that ADJD did a great job despite some shenanigans afoot. But uh, we'll leave those to the message boards. I think. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a tinfoil hat wearer. Well, I am, but that's because the EMP is coming. But um, right, it stops you from the aliens. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I won't I won't dive into conspiracies or anything. But yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that we landed where we did. Yeah, me too. I think it's a really really great uh, hire. I think. As you said, the players are behind him. I think we're also going to keep uh, – boy, I, I realize I haven't said his name out loud before. Mosiello, uh, Mosiello, our, our, our hitting coach, um, Bill Mosiello. And uh, I've said his name three different times now, so one of them is going to be right. Uh, but I'm glad he's there as well to help us keep continuity with the program. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it'll be interesting to see how TCU baseball looks going forward. I mean, they'll look great. They have great uniforms. But, uh, yeah, a little, little shakeup, I think, is this is a situation where – this was the right move. This was the obvious move. And I'm glad that uh, they did it. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. I don't have any more thoughts about baseball. I don't have any. Okay. Thoughts. I was just letting you, I just wanted to make sure we were done with the top college world on. series. I don't, I don't, I don't care anymore. Uh, let's keep chugging along on this preview series. Uh, last week we did Kansas, got some reviews um, in the DMS. 
uh, one, a bunch of people agreed that uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape is an underrated movie. And uh, a okay. lot of people said they, they, they love this because it wasn't just, uh, you know, we weren't just creating content. We were really looking into a team. And, and so I, I was flattered by some of the kind words people had to say about a, you know, a stupid preview about Kansas. So um, mm-hmm. we're having fun with these and hopefully you're enjoying them. Grant, let's talk about the Texas Tech Raiders. Let's keep going. Disclaimer, I'm going to say every week, this is not a power ranking. We do not think Texas Tech is number nine. We're just wandering through the Big 12. Um, and they are the team that we are are hitting uh, this this week. Yeah, absolutely. So, Parker, are you familiar with the economist uh, Thomas Piketty? Uh, I've heard of him. I I I've I only seen him in writing, so I don't know if he's Thomas Piketty or Thomas. I, I, I look it up. Okay, um, and I watched a clip of him. So the nice. first time I heard of him was when he was on the uh, Colbert Report. Uh, okay, in 2013 or 14. Uh, it was a big fan of the show back then when it existed. And I think it's Piketty. Um, anyway, so Piketty wrote a book, uh, Capital in the 21st Century, which uh, I was not an economics guy. Uh, you were, but it's probably one of the more influential economics books in the last decade, I would say. Um, I just bought it. It's very dense. But there was a quote in there that's really taken out of context. It, it had to do with landlords and rent. But I like the way he wrote it, which is the bad news parentheses, or good news, depending on your point of view, is that things have always been like this. And that's Texas Tech football. They've kind of always been like this. Random and chaotic things happen on the field. Sometimes the Red Raiders benefit, more often than not, they don't. And that will continue to happen. The problem is that Tech has hired a non-unpredictable coach, or in plain English, a predictable coach. Well, just low-key, I like the guy a lot. I think you and I both got the chance to speak to him in virtual media days before his first season. While his offense has spread tactics, it's not exactly the most, you know, the total chaos machine that Tech was used to and won games with and also lost a lot of games with, but at least they were reliably unpredictable. You know, uh, okay, when Alan Bowman transferred in the offseason, he was a quarterback before injury after injury after injury after injury. You know what school picked him up and thought he'd be a good offensive fit? Michigan. There's no on-field unpredictability in Ann Arbor, at least not by design, right? I mean, so the personnel wasn't there under Wells. The coaching philosophy isn't there in the wells to kind of keep, for lack of a better term, the Red Raider ethos alive. And now he's brought in a predictable offensive coordinator in Sonny Cumbie, who the entire Big 12 knows his playbook. He hasn't changed it since 2014. And I would imagine he's going to carry the same concepts that he had in Fort Worth over the level. But what is unpredictable, and I don't want to delve into player analysis just yet, but this is just my analysis of, of the Red Raiders, is the new quarterback, Tyler Shook uh, from Oregon. So highly rated prospect from Arizona, uh, committed to the Ducks, redshirted, I think he played three games, and then he started seven games last year. Um, Parker, we talked about the economist, Thomas Piketty. Are you familiar with the country singer, Marty Robbins? I am, and not just because of the excellent scene uh, where uh, his song is used in Breaking Bad. Correct. So El Paso is a great song. Uh, Big Iron is one of my favorites that he, uh, that he has. Um, uh, it's about an Arizona Ranger. Where's Tyler Shook from Arizona? Thank you very much. I'm loving all these parallels. Uh, he's an outlaw loose and running, came to whisper from each lip, and he's here to do some business with the big iron on his hip. Tyler Shook is going to have to be the saving grace for a team that he's been with for all of four months at this point. He started a total of seven games in his college career. He's a 21-year-old with three years of eligibility left, so he has time to develop 
Although he's old as hell. Parker, did you know that per Wikipedia, Tyler Shook and Brock Purdy played each other in high school four times? I did. Uh, I, I was aware of that. Think about how old Brock Purdy seems to us because yeah. he's been at Iowa State for forever. Imagine if Brock Purdy had two more years of eligibility left after this year. That's yeah. how old Tyler Shook is. Uh, but he does have time to develop. His coaches do not. There's still no proof of concept in Lubbock. And firing David Yost, the offensive coordinator, means who has been with Matt Wells since they were at Utah State together, means Wells knows he has to prove something this year. Uh, these are caveman stats. Please bear with me. 2019, Texas Tech was 53rd in points per game and 84th in offensive points per game. They got worse in 2020. They were 57th in points per game and 109th in opposing points per game. Although the Texas game does skew that. because That was like a 66 to 59 wacko overtime bonanza that made no sense. The point is, this is a make-or-break year for the Texas Tech administration, especially with successes in baseball and basketball. They, they don't want to see football lag behind those two programs. We talked last week about how Kansas needs to manage expectations and allow Lance Leipold to build. Matt Wells does not have that luxury, especially in year three. Bringing in Cumbie, an alumnus with a less than sterling record, let's say, in recent years, seems like a last-ditch move. It's bowl season or bust for the Red Raiders. I think Wells knows that. And anything less, say perhaps wins over both Oklahoma and Texas and no losses to Kansas, if you go five wins there, maybe, we're probably going to see another changing of the guard out in Lubbock. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with, with all of that. And I think that is just a weird, precarious situation in Texas Tech. I don't know how much the average uh, listener knows about this, but there was a, a straight up coup, an attempt to oust mm -hmm. Matt Wells last season. Um, there was a name floated that a certain Fort Worth contingent of Texas Tech fans wanted to install at Texas Tech. That was um, uh, appalling. But, uh, you know, when you want to win football games, sometimes you do crazy things like try and hire uh, disgraced liars and scoundrels. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think I think this is it. This is the put up or shut up year. I think the firing. I mean, Sonny Cumbie is is David Yost in a wig, or or vice versa. David Yost is Sonny Cumbie in a wig. without the wig. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and so, I don't think that's a huge substantial uh, change. They're still going to run the uh, air raid, um, but I think okay, uh, you know, you shore up with some transfers on both sides of the ball. Getting uh, Arizona linebacker Colin Schooner, Schooler, excuse me, mm -hmm. um, from uh, you know at the beginning of twenty. 2020 season and having him be able to play last year really helped in terms of getting him in there and kind of moving around. So, I mean, I, I can see it a little bit of, okay, this is the year that Texas tech needs to make a demonstrable step forward from, Hey, we're a weird team that that's good for one or two weird wins uh, a season to, Hey, we're a consistent bowl competitor. Um, Cause I think Texas tech should at least be that in an ideal world. Um, you know, one, one really interesting problem that I think before we get too granular, uh, with, with Texas Tech and with that job in particular is that it has become exponentially harder since TCU joined the Big 12, since SMU um, and, and Sonny Dykes over there have started creeping into the DFW market. Between Baylor and TCU and SMU, Texas Tech a little bit is getting squeezed in terms of talent in Texas. Um, and that's one thing that Texas Tech kind of had going for it was they were able to say, hey, we'll get that, you know, fringe first tier, second tier Texas talent. We'll amass those guys and then we'll still be able to put together a pretty dang good team. And and that resource has been uh, uh, tapped a little bit. And so I think that's interesting kind of structurally to look at, man, it is way harder. It's hard to recruit people to Lubbock. 
it's way harder to recruit people to Lubbock now that you have a lot more competitors right here in, in North Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, much like a West Texas oil well, um, there's a lot of competition and sometimes those wells one dry. I just realized their coach's name is Matt Wells. That could have been a really good parallel. That would have been a good transition. I don't know how I agree. I thought that was intentional. I was going for it. No, um, I, I, I thought that halfway through. But no, I think you're correct. I, I think they're just kind of in a holding pattern. I don't think Tech wants to be in a holding pattern. No, no. I mean, no, no, no. Who, who among us wants to be in a holding pattern? Um, if Kansas was at a holding pattern at four wins, they would take it. Yeah, but that would be so. I, I would contrast the holding pattern with equilibrium of like, what can you be? Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's do some first principles about Texas Tech. You know, head coach Matt Wells this is year three for Matt Wells. Yes, it is. Uh, offensive coordinator Sonny Cumbie, who has been in in Texas since shoot what two thousand eight or something, um, and and been a coach uh, all around. Um, he's been, uh, you know, somewhat playing a weird role at TCU last year. Sonny Cumbie was not, not calling plays. Sonny Cumbie was uh, functionally not the offensive coordinator for TCU and his contract was expiring at TCU and the way that TCU likes to do things, they really don't like to fire guys. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this was just kind of, it worked out really nicely that Cumbie took another job when his contract was up. And uh, you know, Keith Patterson on the defensive side of things has kind of built a little bit of a respectable unit. Um, There have been some talents. Jordan Brooks was a first round draft pick a couple of years ago. Um, and, and, and so you have some interesting pieces here that could coalesce into, you know, uh, uh, a vision. They're going to be, you know, zone rushing. They're running play action about one, one out of every three throws. Um, their screen rate is going to be, uh, you know, 18% last year. They, they had some issues with Henry Columbia, um, and Alan Bowman getting hurt and, and they just had to get the ball out quick. Um, and so, uh, Keith Patterson's playing this uh, three-three-five defense too, which I think is really interesting given the personnel that Texas Tech has. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, and and they weren't very good last year. They were ninety-first in EPA margin. Uh, you know, negative zero point zero four nine. They were one hundred and second on offense, fifty-second on defense. Um, actually, decent against the pass, but mostly that was because their run defense was so awful. People could kind of attack that uh, as well. They um, they were down, and you know my 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 favorite little stat is Eckel, which is just the the productive drive rate, and uh, they were down in that uh, by a margin of about thirty two percentage points. So just kind of not really getting into advantageous positions on possessions and letting their opponents get into advantageous positions frequently. So um, yeah, last year was three, and last year was what four and six. Uh, they they avoided uh, an, an embarrassing loss to Houston Baptist. They blew a potentially program-changing win over Texas um, in, in overtime there and then had some close games throughout the season. And, and at no time did Texas Tech look like they had it together, um, even though they kind of had moments where things were potentially going their way. Um, you know, they beat, they beat West Virginia, which seems like one of the oddest results uh, of the season. And they had – I'm doing this ad hoc, and I'm sorry for this – they had, what, one – one, two, three, three, one score losses. Um, and so there's potential there to say, hey, they didn't have a quarterback. Their offensive line had some issues and they have tried to address those specifically. Maybe they'll be able to make a step forward, but I'm, I'm not sure I buy it. And I think we'll have to talk about personnel to talk about why we may or may not buy it. Two one score losses for the record. Uh, the one to Texas and then the one to Oklahoma State. 
Oh, was um, unless I'm doing math wrong. No, no, no. I'm I'm very bad at math. That's not true. No, it is. I'm I'm bad at like the computation part. Oh yeah, no. I, I looked at a Kansas State and called that a one score loss, but that was ten points. So okay. I was wrong about that. Sorry, I was not trying to be pedantic. Just trying no. To does stave it off. does it make yeah. you feel good to correct the, me the correct, live on air? I also wanted to stave off the corrections from uh, like the three Texas Tech fans that listen to this podcast and give us feedback. Um, so it, it, it's not necessarily the one score losses that bother me, Parker. And I hate to cut you off if you had any more thoughts here. It's it's the one score wins. Every single win they had was one score. 35-33 over Houston Baptist, 34-27 over West Virginia, 24-23 over Baylor, and 16-13 over Kansas. They're not winning games convincingly, and when they're losing games, with the exception of, okay, I guess, uh, the Oklahoma State game or the Texas game, which were both like weird blowouty or not blowout, like score-happy games, they were getting beat um, 31-15 to Iowa State, 34-18 to TCU, uh, with the dumbest field goal attempt of all time, if you remember that game, 62-28 to Oklahoma. Um, I mean, it was it was it was a weird. They just didn't look great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's um, kind of saying when it all came together, the best they could do was one score wins um, or against or bad teams, close losses. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk about West Virginia, but that that win is so odd. Well, that's true. Um, that's true. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, a one-score win over a Baylor team that's just not that just wasn't very good, and then whatever the hell they were doing versus Kansas. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. A lot of volatility last year. Um, let's let's talk about let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about the Oregon Duck in the room. Um, quarterback Tyler Shaw. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's kind of like the word um, you 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 ever you ever eat like uh, interesting foods, and there's the. Um, it's spelled P-H-O. It's like noodles. And, and I don't think that counts as interesting foods. There was a restaurant by TCU when I was in college. Sure. Well, TCU, you know, Fort Worth's an international city. I but, uh, I yeah, but college. so it's uh, pho. I, and so I, don't, it, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. I, sh- I think like, it's, Is that what I'm doing? I, I, there's like, there, there's a cut at the end. It's like shug. Shug. Okay. Shug. That's a shug, I think. It's, it's good. Okay. Yeah. Sh- uh, it's Tyler Shug. Um, lost the job to Anthony Brown at Oregon. There's uh, our episode title right there. Show like fa. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, so he or we call it the uh, the Texas Tech show. <laughs> like, you know, like show. We could do a lot of puns. There's a lot of options, Parker. I'm glad we're keeping these these ideas flowing. These are the important things. Yeah. So so he was the starter at Oregon, except that he stopped being the starter at Oregon. Um, you know, there's kind of one of these things where him transferring indicates that he did not have the starting job and, you know, Oregon's bringing in a five-star quarterback this year and he did not get the impression that he was going to be able to compete for the starting job at Oregon, which doesn't mean he's bad, right? But again, there's a reason in, in such a quarterback-driven economy, there's a reason that someone transfers a place like Texas Tech. Um, so he's, he's technically a, a junior, but they're going to double count that year of eligibility. Uh, cause he does have three years. He's, he's six, five, two twenty one. Uh, Grant, I'm trying to remember a, a big 12 quarterback who is bigger. I'm sure that I'm wrong about uh, that. But there six, has five, been like 220 some, is big. Yeah. There had to have been like some Kansas state, like behemoth that maybe threw more than nine yards down the field once and just kind of took snaps. Gosh, I'm gonna say I'm so happy to say how much does Jake Waters weigh? Oh God, that is a throwback. Okay, yeah, big fan. 
Uh, no, Jake Water is only two oh nine. Now get out of here. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, Ellinger so was kind of a thick. Uh, Sam Ellinger was kind of a thick boy. Ellinger was big, but I don't think he was six five. He wasn't that tall. No, that's what that's what he was. Right. He was like, he was like six, big, six three. Yeah, six three two twenty five. He's listed. Yeah, no, he's a, he's he's a chunk. Um, so Tyler Shaw at Oregon in the you know six games that he started, uh, he total EPA so put up some good numbers. Right, had had a good team was playing pretty bad context. And, uh, you know, total EPA was 32nd overall in, in a shortened season because Pac-12 didn't play as many games. EPA attempt uh, per attempt per pass, he was 12th overall. First down rate on passes, 16th overall in the nation. Uh, completion percentage was a little lower. It was 63, but that was that's 52nd in the nation. Um, and then his yards per completion, 9.2, which is uh, 16th overall. Excuse me, that's yards per attempt, not yards per completion. Uh, yards per attempt 9.2. So not a bad performance by him, but he's kind of become a lightning rod in the big 12 because basically two dumb mock drafts have put Tyler Shaw in the first round of the NFL draft in 2022. Grant discuss. I have like four things I want to say. One is that if he was that good at a quarterback, why did he lose his job last year to Anthony Brown, who transferred in from Boston College? And that's not to disparage Anthony Brown, but he, he's going to be the top guy in 2022. I don't necessarily know why he didn't. I mean, that's a rhetorical question. I don't know the internal politics at the University of Oregon, but it's weird. Uh, second thing is he's not going to be a top pick in 2022, I don't believe. Third thing is, this is the part where we get to dunk on our friend Shayhan J. No, I'm kidding. Uh, he's also the first uh, team quarterback in the uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Preview Magazine, which got a lot of, uh, oh, let's say social media play on Twitter last week. Yeah, yeah, so... I'm kidding. I don't want to dunk on Shayhan. I'm only doing I want. I love dunking on Shayhan. Um, I know, I know. I understand the argument for why you would say, oh, Tyler Shaw is going to be the best quarterback in Texas or whatever. I mean, one, it's kind of silly because he's not the best quarterback in – Tanner Mordecai is probably <laughs> – like, if oh, you have God. to go by these standards, right? <laughs> like, I'm trying to find the argument for Shaw that doesn't eventually lead me to be like, well, Tanner Mordecai has Reggie Robertson and, like, you know, some really good running backs and they're going to, you know, play worse competition. Um yeah, no, no, no. So, so, so I think that th- this is one of those things you have to do. Grant, I'm going to get weird here for a second. Are you prepared for this? Okay. Yes. I grew up, I grew up in the evangelical, in an evangelical church, very familiar with the evangelical world, uh, studied religion at TCU in addition. Uh, and, and so just very, very familiar with this. Um, and uh, there's, there's this tactic that sometimes a, an evangelical preacher will do and they'll talk about Jesus. And I think they're, they're citing C.S. Lewis sort of, but they're saying uh, they're not. They're not sort of. They are. But he says, "Okay, when you're confronted with Jesus, you have to. You have to do three things, right? Yeah, you either have I to." I know say, this one. But yeah, it's the. It's the. Hold on. Uh, just let me show off how much I know about it. Oh yeah. It's the trilemma. Yeah. The trilemma, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's either he's you know liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord, right? And it's like, all right, that's you got to figure that out before you go to bed tonight. You've got to decide which one do you think it is, right? And. Uh, with Tyler Shaw, I think that in if if he is a round one quarterback, we we have to settle that, right? We have to settle that question yeah. before we settle anything else because it's so important because it could drastically change the face of the Big 12 this season if there is this amazing quarterback talent. And so we have to talk a little bit about expected value. The reason I care so much about this is let's say the probability of him actually being that good of a quarterback is what? 
2%, just arbitrary. I'm not standing by that. And 98%, nope, zero. He's just a guy. The payoff and the intrigue and the, 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 the conference altering reality of him being that, that 2% outcome is so great that an expected value, we, we have to address it. And so that's, that's mm-hmm. maybe the most pressing question for me in the Big 12 right now is just, you know, what FPI had Texas Tech in the top 30, I think maybe even the top 25 for their preseason predictions, um, which again, just seems crazy. But they, they, you know, they have some context, they have some guys. And if Tyler Shaw is in fact a first round quarterback, Texas Tech, you know, the ceiling is, is dramatically different for Texas Tech, given that I don't think that they have had a context this competent in a long time. I think that's fair. I think like, um, okay, in 2003, the Cleveland Cavaliers drafted LeBron James. The, uh, the number three pick, I believe, was uh, Carmelo Anthony, so New York Knicks. The number two pick was Darko Milicic, so Detroit Pistons. Um, because there was that 2% potential, right? Now, Darko became a bust, especially when you think about him in between LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony. But they had to take that chance. I, I'm basically just kind of restating what you're stating here, but I, I, I do agree that, look, the odds may not be great. They don't may not even be good, but if Shug does maximize the full percentage of his potential, it's really going to help Texas Tech, especially when you look at the other quarterbacks on the roster. Um, Parker, I have, a, I have a stat for you that I, I find interesting. Um, Henry Columbia, as a senior in college, or uh, excuse me, senior in high school, threw 100, pa- uh, 100 passes in 15 games. Seems like that's not a lot. He started all of them. So I, I I need to go back and watch film of this offense. Oh my god, but that's basically what they're working. He with. like cannot run uh, at all. No, he uh, can't. Yeah. Okay. Well, so so can I one? So so again, tying a bow, t- sort of tying a bow on that, and getting a little bit more to the team, and less specifically about Tyler Shaw. It's kind of this idea. I mean, you have to, you know, you have to before you go to bed tonight. When you think about the Big Twelve, you have to figure out is Tyler Shaw actually a first round quarterback? But then you've got to think about. Texas Tech has had this kind of, you know, Alan Bowman was highly touted. Alan Bowman got a ton right. of, of uh, you know, hype and, and, and deservedly so. And, and the kid just couldn't stay healthy for whatever reason. And it always fell apart. I remember last year when he did get hurt, again, I think it was against Kansas State and Columbia came in. I, I really wasn't watching that closely. And I flipped over and I thought, oh, my God, did, did Alan, Alan Bowman go golf? Like, is he... You know, is he going grunge? What's happening here? But um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's been the case that Texas Tech has had a good quarterback, a quarterback that would be in the top half of the conference, would be able to help them score enough to, you know, take uh, deal with having not a great defense. And something's gone wrong. Um, and so that's not to say, you know, there's any kind of injury prone carryover or whatever. I'm just saying, Texas Tech has been sort of in this situation before, um, although I think their context mm-hmm. is a little bit better. Um, so, so it, it's just interesting to me to think about this kind of as a thought experiment. It's like, man, I, 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 I what is the actual ceiling if if Shaw is good? So let's let's talk a little bit about the context um, around him on the okay. offense side and the defense side, so we don't have to keep dancing in circles there. But uh, so EPA uh, on offense, they were negative zero point nine seven. Uh, that's 102nd in the nation, negative 
for rushing uh, EPA, which was 74th, and negative 0.127 on the pass, which was uh, 99th. That passing figure is kind of funky because they were very much boom and bust, and so they throw a lot of screens because they had a bad offensive line. They're trying to get the ball out quickly, mm-hmm. and um, and so uh, they they had some big plays and they had some serious big play potential. Um, they they averaged on defense 2.39 uh, x points per drive. They, uh, that's, that's 59th overall. Um, and then again, that echo rate, that, that productive drives rate, uh, just 59.11, which is 94th in the nation. So not a lot of ball movement. They are really reliant on explosive plays to score. And, and even then not scoring that much less than a, less than a field goal per drive. So, uh, again, they, they, they weren't good, but they had pieces. You know, we talked about last week, last year on the podcast, Eric Izukama and, and TJ Vassar as a duo being terrifying mm-hmm. because they were just so big. And um, yeah, so I think there's a lot on this offense. that's really interesting. Um, Grant, let's talk about the offensive line. Let's talk about who's going to be protecting uh, Tyler show as he presumably doesn't just throw screens uh, for, for yeah. Texas tech. Um, how do you feel about this unit? I'm optimistic about the Texas tech offensive line. There's a lot of beef. Um, there's a lot of beef. Uh, boy, this is a hard name for me to say. Weston Wright. Those two, those back-to-back coverages kill me. But uh, Weston Wright's a good uh, guard. Uh, Dawson Deaton back at center is going to be huge. Obviously, uh, the other elephant in the room, TJ Storman, uh, following his former offensive coordinator, Sonny to Lubbock, uh, former former Colorado State Ram, former TCU Horn Frog, now with Texas Tech Red Raider, really seeing all the sights of the American West. Uh, during his time in college. Um, he could have he optimized his road trip a little bit better. He had to drive through Lubbock could to have. get to Fort Worth. Maybe he's going to go yeah. back and get his stuff in Colorado State after this, and so he just had to go back up. Listen, that's a beautiful campus. I wouldn't blame him if he chose <laughs> to do so. Um, Stormit's fine. He'll be, he'll be fine. I, I, I don't – he's okay. Uh, I think it's hard to make a super strong judgment about him based on his 2020 experience just because – TC's offensive line was a patchwork quilt and you're basically playing yep. one-on-one ball and you can't rely on the guy next to you. And that's, that's right. Counterpoint. He counterpoint. He um, also literally let Mike Rose walk around him in the Iowa state game to a sack. Uh, which he did. It stuck in my mind. Um, you know, but they have other pieces as well. I mean, you know, the, the returning Josh Berger, the returning Caleb Rogers. We talk, we say this every week. If you return mediocre talent, did they get better? Who knows? But at least they are returning Bergen Rogers, and they're not as bad as we talked about last week with the Kansas returning line, who um, lack uh, convincing qualities. So um, pulses, I, even I, they might have even lacked pulses. Yeah. <laughs> um, so no, I, I think this is going to be a strength for Texas Tech, um, and I think they should take advantage of that strength because they are going to lose a lot of those guys next year. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you look at some of their stats, like pressure rate was 16.93, which is pretty good. They only allowed 10 sacks on the year. Their rushing success rate was 47.8, which is good. That's, that's, that is a yep. good, a decent rushing offense. Um, and, you know, guys are getting the quarterback again, that's influenced by some selection because with Henry Columbia, those numbers are going to show up, you know, the pressure numbers are going to show up and Hey, we can't leave this guy in the pocket. So we're throwing screens and, you know, we get short completions that kind of skew the skew the pressure numbers to, to, kind of obscure the talent reality there. Um, but man, I, I think this rushing offense is, is worth talking about. So Roderick Thompson is one of the better running backs in the big 12, although everyone has a good running back in the big 12 now and being a good running back in the big 12 is no longer impressive to me because 
anyone can do it at the drop of the hat. Um, but he, you know, 30, 38% of their carries, he had a 36% first down rate. Uh, so better in one, better than one in three rushes of his were going for first downs. Um, yards after the after contact grant, 3.75. That is getting hit yes. and then bumbling and stumbling for a little bit. Um, he, he's not a small man. I mean, you see six feet, 210. That, that's, that's, a, that's a solid back. Yeah, and so he's got some physicality there and has shown it. Um, and, you know, 15.6% big play, big play rate. Um, and so Sirotic Thompson is a name you hear a lot. The other one that I really, really like is, uh, is Xavier White. Uh, he's, you know, they're running back, uh, the, kind of the backup. Um, I'm, I'm so bad at this. The, there, there's another guy who got basically the same amount of carries as white, but was decisively kind of the third string running back. Todd Brooks or yeah. 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 Ma- yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's Todd. Yeah, Brooks. Todd. yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, so, but, but so Xavier white had only 21 or almost 22% of the, the carries last year, but a 37% uh, first down rate four yards after contact on average and a 17% big run rate. So uh, th- there's two guys back there. I think uh, Sir Roderick Thompson and Xavier White were both in the top 10 of first down um, percentage in uh, big 12 running backs last year. They both really were really able to kind of convert after they got hit, which they did get hit. Um, I, and I'm really interested to see, you know, Sonny Cumbie is going to run a, a, an inside zone offense. And uh, that combination of Deaton, Wright, and Stormont on the left side there makes that very interesting because if these guys can run after contact and they were getting hit at the line last year, um, you know, you, you have a competent experience left side of the line, you get them a little space and, and they have a rushing threat that becomes much more potent. Yeah, and that zone is consistent with what uh, Texas Tech did last year uh, pro, per pro football focus um, of the 290 attempts that Tech did last year, uh, 218 of them were zone schemes. So there you go. Um, also, I would like to point out, uh, Todd Brooks had 80 carries. Xavier White had 74 carries. Xavier White averaged seven yards per attempt. Todd Brooks averaged 3.8 yards per attempt. Yeah. Why did that happen? Because uh, somebody had to get in there during Oklahoma and sop up. I'm guessing uh, that you had to sop up some a fair carries. Point. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, no, I, I think the skilled players are there. And I think you look at the wide receivers and, and we'll transition here, but there's, there's talent there as well for uh, Shud to throw it to you. Obviously, uh, as a comment, is back. It seems like he's been there for forever, but he is back. You lose Keyshawn Carter, um, which is a shame because I think he's really talented. You also lose uh, uh, T.J. Uh, Basher. Um, but, you know, th- th- there are other players on this roster that, that can make an impact, um, especially with the kind of scheme that Tumby runs where, hey, you're going to be throwing to a lot of guys. Um I'm, as you can tell, I'm stalling to find my list of Texas Tech wide receivers. <laughs> I'm happy um, to. I'm happy to. I, I talked to myself a little bit today about uh, Vasher and Izukama being like this terrifying duo, and I was like, and then Keyshawn Carter is going to be there underneath, and man, that's going to be really hard to defend. Like, shoot, Texas Tech might be good. Man, they could probably win six games. They probably win eight games. And then I realized Vasher and Carter were gone. I was like, okay, all right, let's let's yeah, pull the blood, blood pressure great. down a little bit and figure out. Yeah, uh, it's a little yeah. it's a little different. It's a little different, but. Um, no, there are still, I mean, they brought in a couple from the transfer uh, portal. Uh, Caden, uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, boy, we are. No, no, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't care about the transfer. I don't care about the transfer guys because they're all like two star, whatever. I think, I think your guys okay. are going uh, to be J- Jalen Polk had the, had the next most um, targets there. And then the tight end, uh, Travis Koontz. Um, well, I think- I've got bad news for you, Parker. Jalen Polk transferred to Washington. 
Son of a gun. Well, never mind. He's off. This transfer portal is a mess. And here, okay, I'm side note. I'm going on a side note. Transfer portal is a, is a mess right now. Changes every day. Also, 247 unannounced changed their freaking website and broke my scraper. And now I can't scrape the transfer portal. Um, and so I have to go back and fix that. But that was so annoying because I tried to run it again before today and it did not. Uh, if there are any errors in this podcast, please contact Dean Straka at 24-7 yeah. Sports and uh, just send him all of our complaints. Go DM Dean and tell him to f- fix that crap. Can I tell you this now? I, looking actually at what the other receivers they're bringing back, it's not that great. I mean, it's thin. Jalen Polk transferred, TJ Basher transferred, uh, Keyshawn Carter transferred. Um, Xavier White was a good pass catching back, but okay. Uh, man, it, it ain't a lot. Uh, you have Maverick, uh, excuse me, uh, 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 McLean Mannix, uh, wide receiver. You got him. So that's There's cool. nobody. The TBD, TBD second playmaker for for Texas Tech uh, at wide receiver. They are going to have Izukama, who, uh, you know, big outside receiver who is very scary. Um, average depth to target, 13, 13 yards. He was getting downfield. Yards per completion, 16.3. And he caught 63.9% of his uh, attempts there. So that'll be the main, the big threat. And then we'll see, you know, how they get the back, the, the, the backfield involved. Um, we saw at TCU come be, you know, a little bit, get some versatility and, you know, lining up a, a running back outside. Um, you saw what he did with like Shewa Olanalua playing receiver. That, that that was largely because there wasn't anyone else. But um, I, I think there are some. There, there, that's probably the biggest question of the offense is who you know who's your secondary receiving playmaker. What is that going to look like? Um, but I do want to say that I think I think Izukama could easily be one of the best receivers in the conference. I absolutely do. I mean, I, I would have put him first team all Big Twelve preseason. I mean, just because he's going to be one of the main targets for an offense that likes to pass a lot. Really maybe the only yeah. target on an offense that likes to pass a lot. So yeah, I, I, I'm, as we say every year, I am worried about Eric as a comma. Yeah. Well, just, you know, TCU with that big play nonsense, it makes me, makes me worried. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. Uh, so, so, so again, the offense, I think the picture I'm pointing there is like, they're going to have a boringly consistent, but thin offensive line. They have a quarterback who theoretically has a really high ceiling two really good running backs, one absolute stud at wide receiver, and then a lot of question marks as to how this is going to coalesce. They just hired uh, a person whose experience and expertise is helping quarterbacks get better, theoretically, and not so much designing an offense to maximize the individual talents and and make the sum of the parts greater than the whole, uh, or or vice versa, whatever. I I said that wrong. But um, So I I think you know, if there's a burning question for Texas Tech, uh, in addition to, you know, pro- probably this probably uh, dominates the, the idea of who's going to be the second playmaker, but it's what, who, who are they going to be? How are they going to be able to put Tyler Shaw into this? Are they going to run the Columbia offense from last year and just try and do that harder and say, Hey, we're going to do screens and runs and then take a big shot every now and then. Um, or are they going to be able to, you know, if, if Sonny Cumbie does have somebody like Tyler Shaw, who might be more accurate than Max Duggan might be a little more custom to kind of playing that game can they get a little downfield action in a way that Sonny Cumbie trusts show to make those throws? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. No, I, I agree. I think that line's really going to open up the offense um, so that they don't have it to dump it off to the running back for fear of losing eight yards on a sack every day I'm play. Um, it's, I think it'll be an improved offense. Uh, even if, well, 
I was going to say something mean about Senate coming. I don't want to because we do that enough. But I, I think even if uh, the scheme isn't going to be as innovative, I think the um, the what's the word I'm looking for here? The bedrock of the offense between a quarter, you know, a good quarterback, a good running back core, and a solid offensive line is there. Just got to find ways to get receivers open. Yeah, which which again is something that they couldn't have said the last couple of years. Like they didn't have that foundation. So. Okay, let's, uh, if you don't have anything else on the offense, let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. Um, defense, 52nd. You heard that right. 52nd in EPA per play allowed. Negative uh, 0.22 per play. Negative uh, 0.021 against the pass, which was, excuse me, against the rush, which was 66th. And negative 0.23 against the rush said that so backwards. I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to cut it. That's okay. <laughs> Against the pass. Listen, we spent, we spent five minutes earlier going through the Texas Tech wide receiver core. Yeah, that was, find someone to that was a rough about. podcast. Wait, it's okay. Hey, 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 we're leaving it in, man. We're leaving it in. Negative 0.023 against the pass, which is 37th. And so there, there, there are grains of salt in those raw numbers because, for instance, um, if you go and you pick up the box score for Texas Tech, versus Oklahoma State. Um, <laughs> this is really funny. They played, uh, they basically played to make sure that they weren't going to get the pass, uh, mm. like they weren't going to have to deal with the pass at all. And so how they did that is um, they just let Oklahoma State run all over them. Um, and so they let, they let Oklahoma State run, I think, for something like 300 yards. Like the, Oklahoma State had like two passes. Um, but they, they had 300 yards, uh, in that, in that game, which was just, um, it was a choice. It was a defensive choice to say, Hey, we can't stop both of them. So we're definitely going to stop one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it was not good. I will say, I think it's going to be better this year. I have high hopes for the Texas Tech defense, especially at the line at the uh, linebacker core. Yeah. So I think linebacker is probably the biggest strength here. Um, that, that, that trio of schooler, Merriweather and Rico Jeffers, who speaking of people who feel like they've been in the big 12 for 10 years, Rico Jeffers is here, I guess with the, with the, with the COVID eligibility stuff, we're going to have to retire the bit about saying this person's been here forever, but it feels like these guys have just been, been around forever. Everyone is Perry Ellis. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so schooler, good linebacker, uh, 3.3 seasons of experience. He had 54 tackles last year and 15 pressures. Uh, Krishan Merriweather, uh, he, he has just under a, a year, about 0.86 uh, of experience, and he had 51 tackles last year and, and 13 pressures. And then Rico Jeffers, 3.6, one of the most experienced linebackers in the in the conference by now, uh, 49 tackles and 19 pressures. Grant, I, I love just uh, – Looking at a defense, I love seeing three linebackers all be in the teens of pressures, right? They're they're yeah. very versatile. They're doing some weird things. I'm not smart enough to know, you know, the nuances off the bat of how the 335 kind of fits um, gaps and, and tries to attack. But this looks like a, a linebacker unit who can be annoying. They they will be involved. They will make tackles because the defensive line is nothing to write home about. Um, they'll be, you know, coming for pressure, coming off the edge, coming up the middle on blitzes. And, um, you know, having three experienced guys who are that versatile and then a scheme that's going to kind of capitalize on that versatility, I think this is obviously the strength of the Texas Tech, Texas Tech defense uh, in 2021. 
Yeah, I agree. I, and I, I think all those guys are aggressive. I think some of them leave a little bit to be desired um, kind of on the back end where they're almost kind of a boom or bust defense. Um, you know, Jeffers, for example, is a incredible pass rusher. He's a disruptive player, but he's also not the best when it comes to um, guarding guys in the open field. Um, you know, if TCU still had pro Wells, for example, I think that'd be a, uh, a pretty great um you know, target to use against Jeffers. I think he covered 21 guys last year and allowed 18 receptions. Seems bad, but, you know, um, it's a linebacker. That's not what he's supposed to do. He's, he's being used to rush the quarterback. Yeah. Um, but 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 Merriweather and Schooler, I think, kind of make up for that, especially Schooler, who's a, a really well-rounded player. Um, they're going to be aggressive, and teams are going to have to say, okay, do we take these chances against these linebackers? Because if we don't, you know, get the ball out in time, it's going to be a disruptive play. Yep. The, uh, the Texas Tech defense is really missing two big things, though. For, so so, so as, as stout as they are at the linebacker position right now, just in terms of depth and experience, um, I, I really do think they're missing kind of two key things that you need to succeed in the, in the Big 12 and in college football. They don't have an obvious lockdown corner. They don't have someone who jumps off the bat and makes you say, hey, all right, you can cover anybody. Um, Malik Dunlap is coming in from NC State. I don't know that he can be that guy. He's experienced, was a you know 0.81 rating out of high school, has has played for a little over a season at, at NC State. Um, but they don't have that guy. They also don't have any kind of edge presence outside of the linebackers. Um, some well, of Bradford that, was okay. I mean, he didn't have a sack, but he didn't have nine hits and 17 hurries. Yeah, yeah, he, he's making some noise. But in the 3-3-5, that, like, one of the linebackers is going to have to going to have to become that guy is going to have to become you know they, they don't have it they don't have a Jalen Petrie from Baylor that's like hey you can do whatever we want and then you get to the quarterback that that's the glue on the defense that they're really missing um and so I, th- I think that you know the the secondary is not 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 great um I think the defensive line it, it's hard because there's only you know when there's only three guys they they really you don't really expect them to be making tackles you expect them to be filling gaps and responsibilities but still i just i, I don't think they had very good defensive line play last year um and so they they do have this interesting core of linebackers but kind of the periphery of the defense for for as you know as well well-rounded potentially as the offense is around tyler shaw uh i think the defense is is that uh disunified around the mm-hmm. the linebacking core. Um, I think it's kind of a, a, a fun house mirror situation, which is weird because the defense was their better unit last year. Yeah, it was, um, you know, they lose second Pearson, uh, who was, who was, I think a really good quarterback um, to graduation. Um, uh, oh shoot. I just lost a guy's name. Uh, DeMarcus Fields is back. He's probably their best candidate for lockdown corner. Would you say um, he's, not exactly a lockdown guy, but he's probably the best returning starter from that defense. They bring in a uh, guy from Duke uh, by the name of uh, uh, Marquise Waters, who experienced, right? Uh, and, I, and so I guess he plays safety too to kind of help round out that, that back uh, five. Um, but their safeties are not good outside of him. Um, Eric Monroe started or played 772 snaps last year and uh, charitably, uh, he earned a 35.6 coverage grade from PFF. So it's not good from a guy that had played over 700 snaps for your defense. Um, that's an issue they're going to have to, to uh, shore up on the back end. Yeah, I mean, if you if you sort by again, not that PFF grades are the end all be all, but no, you sort by sure, coverage snaps, handy. and you start looking at the guys who took the most coverage snaps, 
and their grades. And it was, it was rough. It was, it was a rough experience there. And again, they got by by saying, Hey, we're going to stop your rushing and the linebackers were good enough. Um, and so this year, again, I think they'll, they'll kind of commit to that. Hey, we're going to stop the run. Um, and the question will be, can the secondary or can, can the secondary do anything to kind of stop the, the passing attack, uh, in concert or can a defensive lineman get in there and kind of, uh, you know, show himself to be a disruptive force up front so that they can have a credible threat of stopping the, or they can execute stopping the run and then have a credible threat of, of disrupting the pass game. Yeah. And I think having consistency, I mean, at least with this game and all that, you know, it's, it's maybe these guys just need to grow into the roles. I don't know. Um, but when you play in a, in a league, like a big 12, where every team is looking to kind of throw on you and score, you, you kind of need to grow into those roles faster. And they really just haven't done that um, under Wells and Keith Patterson. Maybe they need one more year. I don't know, but um, it has yeah. been pretty. I mean, you give up over 60 points to both Texas and Oklahoma. Not great. Yeah. Not, not, not great at all. But then, you know, the Texas one, at least they were scoring. And so you thought, Oh, maybe they sure. will, maybe they'll score enough to keep up with some folks. But then again, I mean, Alan Bowman got hurt, and that wasn't even anything Texas Tech did. That was – might get some flack for this, but I'm, I, that was a dirty hit from a Kansas State player. It was at least a yeah, questionable hit from a Kansas State player. So, yeah. Uh, okay, so the, the – I don't know that I'm excited about Texas Tech in 2020. I think I've gone kind of on the – or 2021. I think I've gone on the roller coaster, and I've thought, yeah, like, ah, there's some pieces here. Man, this offense could be fun. I, I just don't know that I, that I buy it per se. I want to pronounce them good. I, I think they might be good, but I think good for Texas Tech right now means you're you're going to a bowl. I think they're going to have a boring six wins. Yeah, which that would be that would be which, ideal. Which, Man, which improvement? Buddy, which improvement? Boring six wins is Matt Wells' middle name. Uh, yeah, it, like that's it is. He, he wants that tattooed on his forearm right now. Um, <laughs> so uh, that, that's it, really only. Yeah, no, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just gonna say it, it, it's put up or shut up, and I think they'll, I think they'll earn Wells another year. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. I, I, I did some some canvassing here. By that mean, by that I mean, I texted relative of the podcast, Will Brasher, and friend of the podcast, Hunter Cook, um, and I asked, hey, is there any buyer's remorse or seller's remorse for Tech with, with Cliff Kingsbury? Uh, Hunter said, no, not even a little bit, and that was the extent of his response. We'll type that entire paragraph here, but uh, basically it's, look, they're willing to give Wells one more year. Uh, past that, if they don't make a bowl, hey, man, it's, it's time to make a change. I, I think they rise to that occasion. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that, um, I mean, there is a potential, before we go into the schedule, let's just, uh, Ish Johnson from uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football was on earlier, and we were talking about the state of Texas, and we talked about, the, the weird love triangle between uh, Sonny Dykes at SMU uh, and Texas Tech Boosters and Texas Tech. And so in terms of Wells getting another year, I think there's a world where they go five and seven and Dykes wins nine games at SMU. And, you know, we, yeah, we see it's going to it's gonna have to be a bowl game. We, we see writing on the wins. wall. I think, I think Matt yeah. Wells has to get it, has to get it, has to get the six wins this year, especially given just, one, the percussion of the program, but two, just the discontent, the malaise last year. So, okay. Are there six wins? I, I, I think there are. I don't know. I, I, what the hell is Houston going to be? I, I, I can't. See, I have I can't, no idea about that. I can't even begin to put flesh and bones on what Dana Holgerson has been doing over the last 19 can, months. But that's, that's the Dana Holgerson experience. But yeah. Okay. 
let's 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 go game by game. Okay. All right. Open a neutral side against Houston. Win or loss. I think this is the win that gets Texas Tech also receiving votes. I think it's I don't think yes. I, I Maybe Houston's going to be bad. This is going to be overreaction. Whatever happens in this game is going to yeah. be an overreaction, induce an overreaction. This is the win where either Tyler Shug is the number one prospect next year or he's not going to be drafted. Um, but either way, I, I think it's a win. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Stephen F. Austin, um, good team, but a good FCS team, but I think it's a win. Axum Jacks. Yeah, I think that's a win. Axum Jacks. Uh, FIU at home should, should be a win. That's a weird game. It is um, a weird game. Who's FIU's coach now? Aren't they CUSA? It's somebody funny. Yeah, it is. Uh, hold on. Because uh, uh, FIU is CUSA. I feel like maybe maybe this is wrong anecdotally. I just don't feel like there's a big crossover. <laughs> oh, no. Who is it's it? It's Butch Davis. That's right. That's right. I told you it's somebody funny. <laughs> it's funny. Okay, so Texas Tech, go 3-0. They're ranked 27th in the country. Morale is high. They open Big 12 play. At Texas. Interesting. That's a, that's, that is a crushing loss. Maybe. Texas kind of has an ass kick of a September, man. They got to play, play Arkansas and they got to play Louisiana. I'm just saying that's just th- – those are bodies. I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a win for Texas Tech at all. I think, I think that's yeah. going to be first conference home game, if I'm not wrong, for Texas uh, in the, in the Sark so, era. Yeah. And it's going to be, you know, again – we're back from, from last season and limited attendance and everything. I think it's going to be wild. And so I, I, I do think that that will be a tone setting opportunity for Texas. And so I think that one, that's where the bubble pops. Yep. Yep. And then I think it, it, it continues on the skid the next week. Uh, they play West Virginia uh, in Morgantown. Back-to-back away games to uh, kind yeah, of a, a, a letdown. Yeah. Yeah. The next week is TCU at home. Uh, that it, that is a trap game for TCU. It feels a lot like the 2000, uh, what was that, 18 one? Where yes, just TCU does. should not have lost yeah. a Jet frickin' Duffy. Yes. Uh, I, on paper, it should be a loss for Texas Tech. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll say that. Um, so that brings it back to three and three, which is, again, yes. things are getting Things are getting warm. Matt Wells is, is dealing yeah. with some issues. He gets to, to put a Band-Aid on it at Kansas. Although I think we said last week that is a game Kansas could win. Um, yeah, just because of the way the schedule breaks out. I mean, there's a world. Look, dude, Texas, let's say, let's say Texas Tech beats Houston, you know, 33-17. They're feeling really good about themselves. They go drop a million points on Stephen F. Austin and FIU. They're receiving votes. Maybe they're ranked 25th. And then they lose to Texas, West Virginia, TCU on back-to-back weekends by double digits each. And slink into Lawrence. Motivation. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm counting it a win, but I'm not, you know. Yeah. I'm not above it. Yeah. Uh, again, we are doing these uh, non-respected to what we said in any of the team's predictions. Because um, it's funnier that way. So, yes, I'll say a win at Kansas. Uh, home for Kansas State. I'm going to be optimistic here and call this a win. Man, I feel like it has to be. Um, that that's that's really the game that I have circled here because everything else seems pretty clear. And they're gonna have to win yeah. one of West Virginia or yeah, they're gonna have to win one of West Virginia, TCU, Kansas State to go to a bowl, which is is fitting because that's the can you 
can you break through to the next level? Can you kind of get in that big 12 middle class? Again, they're good for a weird win. Maybe that West Virginia TCU Kansas, one of those is a good win or a weird win. But yeah, yeah, I just, I just don't know. That's really the challenge. That's a gauntlet, right? Can you call and get a win? You're calling Kansas City. Okay. I am. I am. So that gets it, that gets Uh, into a bowl very easy because Oklahoma loss, Iowa state loss. 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 Oklahoma State probably a loss. Baylor a win. Yeah, I mean Oklahoma State's at home and Baylor's away uh, for the last game of the season. Uh, by the way, I have a bye between Oklahoma and Iowa State. Not that it matters. Um, yeah, I think that's right. I, I think they beat Baylor in the last game of the season. You know, Matt Wells gets carried off on the shoulders of his players, and uh, Texas Tech goes to a bowl game. And they go get freaking wrecked by uh, Drew Plitt and Ball State in the first responder bowl. What is wrong with you? What is your obsession with Ball State? Uh, I just like the Mac, man. It's fun. Really, what I it like is the Mac. But- last year, the Mac. Last year, the Mac just ruined me in betting picks. Just the Mac just hmm. beat like all of my losses were Mac losses. Um, and so I just, uh, I just, you know, I'm studying them, and as I study them, I've, I've grown to love them. Are you familiar with the trivia website Sporkle? Yeah. Okay. They have the, you know, a bunch of quizzes on there. One of them was like, hey, just name every uh, FBS team. Okay. And uh, this is what, 128? Is that right? 130? Uh, I think I we're at 30 because okay. UConn hasn't technically dropped down yet. Right. Um, and UMass is, I guess, technically still a football team. Um, I always get like 128. And the one I always forget is Ball State. It's hard. Every Dude. single time I forget Ball State. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so it'll be some Mac team. It, it'll, it'll be – Ball's not even a state, honestly, when you think about it. Ball um, is life, though. <laughs> that's, how it go, that's how it goes. Okay, so we're saying I'm, – I'm saying that the, the, the Texas Tech 2021 season will be won and lost on the margin. And on the margin by, – by on the margin, I mean there's a, you know, there's, there's a three-game series. West Virginia – TCU, Kansas State, they have to win one of those. I, I'd even throw Oklahoma State in there, right? They, they have to win. They have to beat one of those teams um, and not lose a stupid game. Um, and and that, that's going to be hard. That's going to be cutting it very, very close, um, I think. And so I don't know that I believe in them. But I, I just think in terms of, you know, if things are going well, if you have good quarterback play, if you stay healthy – I think you should win one of those games. Um, I do too. And I, I don't know if I believe in them either, but again, I'll ask you this. Set your expectation. What is improvement? What kind of like we talked about last week with Kansas? Yeah, I mean, I think their mean outcome this year should be a bowl. And so if that means, you know, five and seven with a couple really annoying one score losses, that's a different thing entirely than, you know, five and seven getting blown out by the teams that are better than you in the conference. Um, and so that's, that's really, let's do that. We'll cast a vision for, for expectations just to say, look, one score games, uh, you, you need, you need double digit wins and you need one score losses. That's what, that's what they need to be flirting with a bull. Um, if, if I'm the AD and I'm looking at Matt Wells, I'm saying if we aren't, you know, convincingly flirting with a bull, having crushing losses, uh, just in terms of, you know, it was close and we could have won it and then winning games convincingly. Um, what's the last, I mean, I can pull this up right now. What's the last convincing win Texas tech had, um, last year. 
I don't know. One last year, it would have been twenty nine because all their wins were once four. Exactly. So, I mean, so I don't, I don't know that they had a convincing win uh, I mean, under I'll Matt Wells. The 2019 season. I'm pulling up 2019. We're doing it live. Uh, they beat Montana State forty-five to ten. They beat UTEP thirty-eight cool. to three in two thousand nineteen. They beat West Virginia thirty-eight to seventeen in Morgantown. Okay, I'll allow it. I'll what allow is it with West Virginia, dude? Maybe they'll win the West Virginia game. Maybe Matt Wells has has the Mountaineers number. Yeah, uh, that could could very much be true. So yeah, it's really it been it's, it's really been since two thousand nineteen. They've had a convincing win. So they need they need a convincing win this year against a team that they are equal to. They. It, Look, go drop 100 points on Kansas. God love you. But you need, to, you need to beat somebody that is that is kind of in that Big 12 middle class to reestablish that you are, in fact, a member of that Big 12 middle class. Texas Tech lost to Kansas and then beat West Virginia by seven by 19 the next week on the road in 2019. Life is a gift. Sure. Foot, uh, football is life, to quote Ted Lasso. Football um, is life. Football is life. Uh, Parker, this is shorter than the Kansas episode, but do you have anything else to say about the Texas Tech Red Raiders? I don't. I think we, we know the questions and we don't have the answers, which is the fun of football season. Um, and I think that Texas Tech could sneakily be a middle-class Big 12 team um, and not a laughing stock. I think they could take themselves out of the uh, – separate themselves from kind of the Baylor-Kansas um, level. And, uh, you know, again, they aren't – Team number nine, I don't think they are. I think they're better than that. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see, can they kind of make that push? Can they beat consistently those middle-class teams and, and sneak to a bowl? I agree. And I, th- I think that the downside of that is if that doesn't happen, there's going to be an incredible amount of soul-searching to do and love it, to think of, okay, where do we want this program to go? Because Matt Wills was a good coach at Utah State, and he was a good hire on paper. But if it doesn't work out, uh, unless Sonny Dykes wins nine games, man, uh, it's not going to be fun for the next couple of years in Lubbock. So let, let's hope for the Red Raiders' sake they're they're bowling this year. Yeah, because otherwise you're just kicking the can down a little bit. Yeah. So. Yep. Um. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's that's great. That's oh. interesting. Um. That's about all I have to say about Texas Tech. <laughs> Generally, we not all they deserve really. We'll keep doing yeah. previews next week. I, uh, I don't know. I'm not committing to a team. Do you have a preference? Where do you want to go? I like doing. No, you know yeah. what? Uh, would you want to make it a surprise? Or we can just do Baylor. Whichever. I think let's just do Baylor. It's not. It can't be a surprise. There's only eight, there's only seven teams <laughs> left. We'll do Baylor next. Uh, get that okay. one out of the way. Maybe something fun will happen in the college football world, and we can talk for like forty-five minutes about that. Oh, whoa, wait, Baylor. Oh my God, we didn't talk about the playoff. I don't care about the playoff. I'm not talking about the playoff. Okay, all right, perfect. good. Glad to hear. I'm standing on it. a man's. A man's got to. A man's got to have code. Uh, <laughs> all right. This is. Uh, this has been the second installment of the uh, 2021 Big 12 preview series here at Purple Theory. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Stats of War, and you can find Grant at Grant McGalliard, spelled like it sounds with all of those vowels. Uh, until next week, uh, be well. Tip your waitresses. Go frogs. Go frogs.